There are dire warnings that New South Wales will be hit by increasingly extreme weather. 2015 was the hottest year since climate records began. Your show this July was the single hottest month in recorded history. Australia sweltered through its hottest spring on record. Climate change is now affecting every country on every continent. It's the rate that's a great concern. And what do you put that rate down to? Oh, it's human activity. We have everything we need. Some still doubt that we have the will to act. But I say the will to act is itself a renewable resource. Hello and welcome to Climactic, a podcast on the Climactic Collective, a group of independent podcasters from across the range of the climate communities of Australia and New Zealand. Every week on Climactic, rain or shine, we either produce or feature an episode of a climate-engaged podcast. This could be from one of the shows on the Climactic Collective or beyond, and you'll always find a link to the show we're featuring at the top of the show notes. My name is Mark, and I'm the publisher of the Climactic Collective and of this show. And if you ever have any questions, I'm always reachable at hello at climactic.fm. I'm in Tamaki Makoro, Auckland, New Zealand, Aotearoa and I pay my respects to the iwi of Tamaki Makoto and acknowledge their shared sovereignty over this land as enshrined in Tetsuriti, the Treaty of Waitangi. Today's episode is being released on the 6th of November, Saturday, and it's being released a bit later in the day. That's because today I got out and about in Auckland, Tamaki Makoto. I went for a walk in Riverhead Forest. I went to Long Bay Beach. And my wife and I had a great time enjoying the natural beauty of this place. And for those several hours, my mind was far away from Glasgow, from COP26. But friend of the show, Joe Dodds, president of Bushfire Survivors for Climate Action, from the Bega Valley Shire in the southeast of New South Wales, is in Scotland. I am now in COP26 and in the Australian Pavilion, bringing your messages to... The Australian government. Another thing that's slightly disturbing about being here um, in the Australian pavilion, I'm going to take you over there right now, is that the entire exhibition, as far as I've seen, is sponsored. Check this out. the only business that seems to be represented here and I've been um, kind of checked out by the men in suits here because I'm at the pavilion and clearly bushfire survivor and I think that's quite disturbing that we can't be here and um, simply be a presence without being questioned because we're not causing trouble or anything just being here in the Australian pavilion um, Apparently the minister was going to come and make an announcement, Angus Taylor, uh, and on seeing that there was media here, uh, and seeing that there was me here, he has decided not to come and make any announcements here at the Australian Pavilion. So it's hard, of course, in this first week of November not to have our minds on the international scene, on the drama of COP26, the announcements, who said what, will it be enough, what does it all mean? 
But I think it's fair to say that for those of us listening, the scope of the action we can take is found in our local communities, rather than at COP26 or COP27. So I'm really grateful to bring you today an episode of Climate Ready Stories, which puts our changing climate on the human scale, in a local setting, one we can all understand and relate to. This show is the work of Kyla Brettel and the other amazing people you'll hear acknowledged in the credits of the episode. Kyla is a veteran of the audio space, and I'm just so chuffed that her work is part of the Climactic Collective, and I'm able to share it with you today. This is exactly the type of show that I couldn't find just a few years ago, which is what drove me to start Climactic. So you'll be happy to see, even with my intro, this is a very short, punchy episode. That's because Kyla's work says so much, sometimes with so few words. Her use of sound is incredible. Highly recommend you check out the few other released episodes of Climate Ready Stories so you don't get too far behind, and also check out the amazing Endgame, which we've featured previously on Climactic. Please also find a link to that in the show notes. So now, without further ado, I'll hand over to Kyla to bring you an episode of Climate Ready Stories. And if the news out of Glasgow for the last week, the last few weeks, is getting it all a bit too much, it's okay to take a step back. It's okay to reach out to a friend for a chat. Please do take care of yourself and enjoy this episode of Climate Ready Stories. Hello and welcome to Climate Ready Stories from the Loddon Mallee, where we meet people developing place-based projects and acting locally to the global trouble of climate change. My name's Kyla Brettel and this program is part of ADAPT Loddon Mallee's Climate Ready Plan here in regional Victoria, Australia. Sometimes it's hard to see yourself as vulnerable. The years can creep up on you and sit quietly. Then all of a sudden your age places you in a category described as disproportionately at risk of the impacts of climate change. In this episode, Amy Atkinson walks us through the Climate Ready Malden project, designed to help the predominantly older population of Malden prepare their homes for heat waves and bushfires. But keeping safe is not just about practical measures. It's about building on and supporting the social connections that keep this community vibrant and strong. I think Australia really started burying this words climate change that we're not meant to speak. And But then people start forgetting about it in some ways, like uh, they don't sort of start um, grappling with it themselves. How do you prepare a small country town with an ageing population for climate change when no one wants to talk about it? This is something Amy Atkinson has thought about a lot. We did some work a few years ago trying to understand what people's environmental concerns were from living in this area and you couldn't actually mention climate change. You know, it was very, like, such a dirty phrase. But talking more broadly about environmental concerns, I realised that there was a lot of people that were very worried about climate change and what that meant for our community. Amy lives and works in Malden, a picturesque little town on Jajawarong country. It's in the south of the Loddon Mallee region in Mount Alexander Shire. 
When I first came here, it was nearly Easter, and I woke up on Easter Sunday, and someone had tied a hot cross bun onto my front door to welcome me to the town. So that's what it's like. We're at the uh, community centre. That clock's been working for a long time. <laughs> this is the last bits and pieces before we serve lunch. Hello, Mal. How are you? I'm good. For the past eight years, Amy's worked closely with the local community as the coordinator of the Malden Neighbourhood House. It's really localised, it's about place and the underlying thing that connects everything is, is social connection and it's about bringing people together. Main course spaghetti bolognese with oh, garlic bread yum. and uh, I talked to you in your gym. Oh, where's my five dollars? <laughs> I'm just going to be help serving. Right, enjoy your meal. Thanks, Thank thanks you. very much. Because the median age is older, there's a lot of retired people. So it's sort of a bit bustly, you know, in the daytime. <laughs> there's people out and about. The night maybe is a slightly <laughs> different story. Everyone's tucked up in bed. Thank you so much. Now, how, do, how generous with the sauce? Oh, do you no, no, that'll be good. That's that'll good. be good. Thank you. Thank Were you, you in the men's shed last night? No. No. No, I... I, I it's almost like an unofficial retirement village, but forgive me for saying that, because not everyone would warm to that. It's a, it, is a, it is actually a very vibrant community, and it's distinguished by having 80-plus community groups. So massively involved and active community. Before I blinked, I was signed up to the Garden Club. I um, decided I wanted to play canasta, so we, we set up uh, a, a canasta game in the community centre. One of the spinning plates Amy keeps an eye on is the current and expected impacts of climate change on Malden and its country. According to the CSIRO 2020 report, as the next 30 years unfold, Malden can expect higher overall temperatures and more frequent heat waves, less rainfall overall and an increase in extreme weather, and longer, more intense fire seasons. Oh gosh. I think people get very caught up in not knowing um, how to respond to such a huge, a huge thing. I'm lost for words. I don't know where to go with this one. I'm sorry, Kyla. Um, no, actually, I haven't thought of that because it's always nice and sunny and fresh. As long as it's like that, I'm happy. I'm not sure. What do we do? Um, it's hard. Yeah, it's a tricky question. But no, I haven't thought about more deeply in a scientific way. <laughs> it's a bit hard when you are popped up with these intellectual questions. <laughs> it is a tricky question, and, it's, and you do actually find that people don't talk about it all yes. that much. Yeah, I think you don't, and I think... I think the climate change Molden group is a good step. I think that that's a great way to move forward. Um, I do need I do need to find out more about what the program is about myself. Yeah. There's no advantages of putting your head in the sand and pretending it's not really happening. I know some of my older children are feel a bit worried about climate change, and they're not feeling confidence that. Perhaps the rest of us adults are doing enough. I certainly hear that from one of my older children. 
Yes, and it's hard to know what to say when they say that because they're, they're right. They are right. You know, one of the powers of, of enabled houses more broadly is that we're, we're grassroots organisations, we're activist organisations really, we can make change in the community. We all need to be ramping up for our response and it wasn't, broadly speaking, a massive concern or disgust in the community and that's a problem in itself, I think. So I guess our response wasn't about a big push from the community to be taking action. It was more we wanted to push the community into be thinking about what action they should be taking. And so Amy and the Neighbourhood House, with some state government funding through ADAPT Loddon Mallee, started up a bold project called Climate Ready Malden. Do you have a story or a moment where it came together? Was it a bang? <laughs> I haven't got that at all. Um... Maybe I woke up at six and went, oh, I should write a list. <laughs> <laughs> so the Climate Ready Molden started by recognising that it was important for us to sort of shift a bit of the focus away from what is causing climate change into climate change adaptation. So looking at how we can help people uh, respond to the changes that are coming. And part of that is around acknowledging that there's risk and then that itself gets people thinking about going what's caused it in the first place. So rather than starting from that point, it sort of leads people back to that point. One of the impacts of climate change that the Climate Ready Malden project focused on was heat health, just surviving those really hot days. I've been out in a 45 degree day already. It was scary, like we got caught out without water. I was really glad I was able to call a neighbour. We've got vulnerable people in our in our community, people who are older. Heat stroke, dehydration, things like that. If it is consistently over 45, we'll all end up suffering. And then understanding that people, you know, mainly are in their homes in the heat, that we wanted to focus on that, I suppose, for making a change. I do worry about our neighbours, our elderly neighbours, and often we do check on them during the, the hotter months. So along with our beautiful streetscape, da 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 we have lots of you know, old miners' cottages, which um, before we renovated our place, I lived in, and they're incredibly leaky. They're designed to be temporary accommodation. They're designed for very short people. Um, but, you know, so there's some some real issues, I suppose, that were clear. So the project zeroed in on improving the energy efficiency and comfort of Malden homes on hot days. And it did this by offering residents home assessments and advice from neighbourhood house volunteers specially trained up for the task. My name's Anthony Mori, and I was approached to be one of the volunteers uh, on this team of, I think, about eight. Probably out of the eight of us, we probably all did three or four uh, assessments within Malden. Who wants to waste money on heating and cooling? So, you know, trying to help people stay more comfortable, generally speaking, uh, less pressure on the environment in the end, yeah. <laughs> hey, so, how you going? Good, Andy. Here yeah. we're at Andy's place is where I came to do an evaluation. How's it, how was your summer? Oh, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> I survived. You survived? Yeah. Yeah? Was it as... And then going around and just basically having a casual chat with them and, you know, how are you and a cup of tea and blah, blah, blah. And then going around looking for assessments around the house. So looking at the orientation of the house would tell you where the heat sinks are and where the shade spots are and the cold spots. And so it could be 
a really a simple case of dropping shade cloth on the northwest side of the property and they got a voucher as being part of this program so they were able to kickstart any so, investment back into the um, house well how did you find that report i wrote Ah, oh, no, it was good. It gave me, it gave me uh, lots of options to, to sort of start with and uh, see, uh, you know, that I could make a bit of a difference to the place without uh, laying out too much money. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, so I found it uh, really helpful in that way. It was. Yeah, Did you feel really like you learned anything about climate change and the impacts on Malden through, you know, your participation in the program? Well, yes, I, sup- I suppose a, l- a little. Um, I didn't realise exactly how uh, vulnerable you, we can be to to things like uh, the fires and and what impact basically the whole warming has on the on. Um, you see the a lot more of the trees dying off in the summer, and it's having a sort of destructive effect. You know, the people that certainly responded to this program were people who were proactive about um, being a little bit more on top of things. And I'm saying that just because the amount of people that responded to the program, even though Amy did a fair bit of um, promotion for it, she was a little bit surprised how many, the lack of how many people actually responded. There's there's a bit of a uh, hesitancy to, to sort of act to be active around these sorts of things. It's sort of like there's a, perhaps, you know, we'll just cope with the hot days, we'll just cope with things um, the way they are. You know, change, I think anywhere is hard for anyone personally or communally or whatever it is. But then um, sometimes when you just offer the cake, people aren't eating it and then that's something else, you know, yeah. The other key part of the Climate Ready project was to better prepare the local community for a bushfire. And recognising that people didn't necessarily have bushfire plans, even though we are currently in an extreme bushfire risk area. I've looked at the predictions for the climate over the next 20 years and I'm actually a bit scared about that. If a fire was to come through, even if you live in the centre of town, you're still at risk. So where do you go on these horrific days that are really hot with lots of wind? You don't feel safe necessarily driving in the roads. What do you do? So the project involved a series of online workshops with the local fire authority and were about helping people get started on their bushfire plans. So at the end they would go away with maybe 75% of their plan done and then they could ask questions on the spot going, oh, I'm thinking about my pets, what do you do with pets or... You know, what direction might fire really come from? And, you know, people, the CFA could really talk about their on-the-ground experience and what's happened previously. We followed up with another two workshops that were much more interactive. And the third one actually was didn't even have a CFA member there. It was just the group nutting things out themselves and going, oh, what did you guys think about? Like, where are you going to evacuate to? And, you know, like really kind of, you know, locals helping each other, I suppose, to think these things through. We didn't get huge numbers, but it was really great to see the outcomes from those from that series. So that was fantastic. So welcome to the Kangaroo Hotel. We're here to celebrate the the um, conclusion of the Climate Ready Molden project. I'll set up a tab. Prakash, would you like a drink? But one of the main things I learned from the project <laughs> is how hard it is to. <coughs> 
actually get onto the people who need to get this done. Yeah. And and it's it is very much a matter of word of mouth to get the assessments done. Yeah, to participate yeah. in the assessments. Right, to get them yeah. to accept the fact that their houses are pretty... The groundwork of, of the partnerships and relationships takes a lot of time and actually is the scaffold that makes the, the project a, a success or not. But I think what has been really important is that people, local people are the solution, I suppose. So the fact that it's all been based around um, empowering people in the community to make their own changes has that ripple on effect. So the fact that we've got half a dozen trained volunteers now in the community, you know, understanding thermal comfort and those changes that can be made, that can kind of live on. Like if, you, if you're the volunteer and you've set, looked at someone's house and you meet them down the street, there's a conversation right there that's another link in the web. Um, so it's not like a sort of spoken hub where we want everyone to be connected to the neighbourhood centre. We want to facilitate people to be connected to one another. And it's around bringing people together over these things as well. It's a collective effort. It's not a whole series of individuals plugging away. It's um, that idea of doing something together. And I think, you know, when we talk about social connection being sort of key to what the Neighbourhood Centre does, it really it's because of that um, resilience that comes from that, from knowing your neighbours, from knowing people in the community and feeling like you belong here really is, is so important. This sound work was produced for Adapt Loddon Mallee as part of the Climate Ready Plan. You can find out more at adaptloddonmallee.com.au. In the program, you heard the voices of Amy Atkinson, Anna Robertson, Miranda Bone, Bernie Chris, Lindsay Glover, Anthony Murray, and Andy McGuinness. The program was recorded on Jajawarong country, whose land was never ceded. And we extend our respects to traditional owners past and present across Delodden Mallee as the original custodians of these lands and waters, acknowledging their unique ability to care for country and deep spiritual connection to it. The show was produced by me, Kyla Brettle, with executive producers Donna Katana and Jeff Kane. Music by Rob Law, cover art by Madison Connors, photography by Carmen Bunting, and a special thank you to didgeridoo player Uncle Paul Chapman. You'll find more stories about getting climate ready at adaptloddenmally.com.au. Speak soon. This show is produced by Hear Media, a boutique audio agency in Narm, Melbourne. To learn more and get in touch, head to hearmedia.studio. That's H-E-R-E media.studio. Media.